said, Pastor, we need to raise $10,000 for P Pakistan. Within a week, a $1,000 check is sent. All right. We go to Pakistan and over 300 Islamic people come to, come to Jesus. This house has been such a blessing to us. And I want to say what an absolute privilege, uh, Pastor, and an honor it is to, to be in partnership with you and to see all that God's doing all over this globe. What a moment in time it is for all of us to be alive. What a moment in time it is for us as the body of Christ to, to understand that we are called to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In the midst of the darkness, God's word says he will raise up a standard against it. And God is calling out, he's crying out for his people to be his people, to be his hands, to be his feet to be His vessels that He would move through. And today I'm going to talk about positioning ourselves in this moment, positioning our lives up here in Diamond Springs, because all I see all over the all over this earth, I don't see one move of God. I see many moves all over this planet, all over. Some of them you, you'll never hear about till we get to heaven. But there are pockets of God's move and God's presence moving all over the planet. In Ukraine, in the middle of a war, in the midst of a war, 60 miles from a war, you see people dancing and shouting and having life. And people have been healed from HIV. People have been healed from sickness and many diseases. People have been set free. The gospel moving forward in the midst of hard, dark times. It's nothing to fear, but it's everything to embrace because we're alive in this moment. And the breath of God lives within us and wants to live in us more and more and more because there is no one like Him. He is holy. He is so holy. Sing us with me. Come on. And there is no one like you. You are holy, holy. Sing it out. And there is Lift your hands. Jesus, we worship you and there is no one like you. You are holy, holy. And there is no one like you. You are holy, holy. So we have this pastor in Ukraine, this pastor in Ukraine who felt at the time that the war started that he, he should go and fight for his family. Every man up to the age of 60 is called to go in, into battle. And so he goes. You can continue for just a minute. And so he moves. And here he is in the middle of a fight. It's fierce. And he gets a bullet in the head. The bullet didn't go through him. His helmet was able to stop the bullet from going right through. But it's lodged in his head. And for 36 hours, he's on the ground. He's not able to be extracted because the fighting's so fierce. No one's able to come and help him out. But at a certain moment after 36 hours, he's just got this little, little uh, uh, thing around his head holding him together. At a certain moment in the battle, there's an opening and five men come and extract him out. And as they're moving out into a safe area, they're ambushed in another town. All the five men that were sent to get him out get injured. And so he's all alone there. He grabs the gun and starts fighting the enemy. His buddy next to, to, to him is having a panic attack. He hits him in the head and says, stand up and fight. So the guy stands up and fight. Men, men finally come and extract this, the uh, five injured men out. He's still holding back the enemy, protecting his buddies. And over time, another team comes back and he's finally able to get out. He, he gets to safety. God protects him. He's got an iron plate in his head. And he says, he says, I will never go to war again. 
I said, and why? He said, this war is an absolute joke. It's nothing but a political agenda. He said, we could have, the, we could have this enemy taken out of our country within days, but every time we move to take him out, we're stopped from moving forward. It's a political fight and a political battle. And he says, I'll never go there again. What's my point? My point is this, we're fighting a war in the world today that manifests itself in so many ways. But at the end of the day, the battle begins inside of us as people. The war is a battle for space. It's who's going to occupy this land. Who's going to occupy our communities. Who's going to occupy our cities. And what determines who occupies and does not is what lives inside of us. What lives inside of us. And so there's a battle for space. My message that I want to share with all of us here today is called the battle for space in God's dwelling place. The battle for space in God's dwelling place. The battle of the ages is the battle for the dwelling place of God. Since the fall of Lucifer and all those who followed him, the fight has been focused on destroying God's dwelling place on earth. It began with Adam and continued to the Ark of the Covenant, then on to Jesus. The fight continues to rage today against all humanity. Lucifer wants to occupy the space that God made for himself, a space that was restored in fullness through the precious blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. Turn there if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. And it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Everyone say, I am the temple, the dwelling place of a living God. It says, it says, as God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. What a promise this morning. The difference between freedom and slavery in a nation depends on who occupies the space called God's dwelling place. Who is master and commander of the house that God made for Himself? It begins with a thought or an idea, which if not confronted with this knowledge, the Word of God can lead to full demonic occupation of the house that God made for Himself. In a worst case scenario, we have an Adolf Hitler, a Joseph Stalin, a Pol Pot. What was up with Joseph Stalin? What was the deal with Adolf Hitler? As we begin to study history, we begin to see that at a certain moment in these men's lives, they open their heart and their thinking to the teachings of the occult. And the result was satanic infiltration of the house that God made for Himself. And the fruit on the tree is millions and millions and millions of lives were murdered, maimed and destroyed by these men. The enemy's strategy, the enemy's plan is to infiltrate and use us to rob, kill and destroy others. We must put up a no vacancy sign. No borders or renters are needed. This house is brought, paid for and occupied by the owner. His name is Jesus Christ and it's in Him that we live. It's in Him that we breathe and it's in Him that we have our being. If you believe that today, say Jesus. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we see God's original plan for His dwelling place on earth. It says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. When did man become a living being? When God breathed into him. 
The Hebrew word for spirit is called ruach, which means wind, breath, air, or spirit. So the word breath has the same meaning as spirit. So when God breathed into man's nostrils, it was God's spirit that came into the man that he created. God fashioned man. God formed man. We didn't evolve over time. We didn't come from monkeys. Thank God for those monkeys. We love to watch those little monkeys swinging from the trees. With incredible We love those little precious little ones, don't we? We get a kick out of it, don't we? We get thrills out of watching those little furry creatures. But listen, God made those furry creatures out of the incredible creativity that lives within them. But the difference between you and me and the creature is that He made us in His image and likeness. And there is a difference. There is a difference. But it was not until the breath came into us that we came alive. And this was the beginning of God's dwelling place on earth. Do you know who you really are? Hit the person next to you and ask them the question. Look them in the eye and say, do you know who you really are? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, it's, it, we see the destruction of God's original dwelling place on earth. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you do, you shall die. Everybody knows the story. God comes to Adam and Eve, so you can have all the tree, all the fruit in the garden, but of one fruit you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you do, you shall die. We all know the story. They ate of the fruit, but did, did Adam die? Well, the Bible says he lived to over 900 years of age. So when God's saying you will die, what is he talking about? Well, simply put, as soon as Adam ate, of the fruit of the tree. You see, in that fruit was a virus, the virus of sin and death. And the moment that Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the tree, the virus that was in the fruit came into the dwelling place of God and destroyed the house. Why? Because God and sin do not coexist together. From the moment that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, the virus that was in the fruit came into the dwelling place of God and the breath left. The breath left. And from this moment on, from this moment, God loved us so much that He begins the process to restore His dwelling place again. We pick up the story. Let's have a look now. We pick up the story, the restoration of God's house. We pick up the story in John chapter 19, verse 28. And it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it into his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, gave up his spirit. What was accomplished? What was fulfilled? What was finished? Well, to get a better understanding of this moment in history, we look at Matthew's account of this moment. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27 verse 50. Matthew chapter 27 verse 50. Matthew chapter 27 verse 50 to 51 and it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rock split. Let's read it again. Another account. This is, we had John's account. Now we're having Matthew's account. The same moment in history. And it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up a spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Now, for us to understand this moment, we've got to understand the significance of the veil. 
And for us to understand the significance of the veil, we've got to go back in time to a man called Moses, where God in the process, everyone say the process, God in the process of restoring His dwelling place back to this earth, of restoring His breath of life back to humanity, He comes to Moses and says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. We all know the story. We have in the tabernacle, we have the outer court, we have the inner court, and we have the Holy of Holies. Inside the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant is the breath of God that was lost in Adam, was restored back to the Ark of the Covenant. And inside this Ark is a breath and only one man, one time a year on the Day of Atonement could enter in and experience the breath of God. But how many know it has never been God's uh, final destination that only one man or one woman experienced the breath of God. God's plan and God's purpose is that all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. God's plan and God's purpose is that all this earth would be filled with the glory and the breath and the presence of God again. So in the process, it's important we understand this, your world will never be the same. What we celebrate at Easter, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is much more than just His resurrection. Something else happened on that moment that'll literally shake your world. It'll turn your world upside down when we understand this today. The veil, you've got to know the veil. What's up with the veil? Well, the veil is so significant. This veil was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. This veil was a wall of separation, right? And, and in the Hebrew, to truly understand this, you have to understand in the Hebrew, the meaning of the veil, this veil was a separation that, or a wall of protection. Everyone say protection. It protected a holy God from an unholy man. Yeah? And, and only one man, one time a year, could enter in, and he had a piece of rope tied to his foot just in case he had some type of sin in his life. As a certain moment he touched their breath, he's dead, and they would pull him out. So we come back to Jesus. We come back to Jesus and it says here at the moment that Jesus died on the cross, it says here, the veil of the temple, that veil of the temple, the veil 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, four inches thick, this veil that separated an unholy man from a holy God at the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit, what was accomplished, what was fulfilled and what was finished, it was that in that temple, the veil, the wall of separation that separated separated you and me from being filled with that breath, the wall of separation that kept us from being filled with the life that God originally made us to live and breathe in. That veil of sin and death was torn into pieces and now nothing can separate us from being filled with what God has called us to be filled with. There is nothing, there is nobody can separate us from being filled with the breath that God made you and I to be filled with. Whew. There's not a location on this planet. Is there, uh, but I live, I live on it in Diamond Springs. It's such an insignificant little place. I live in Tauranga, New Zealand. You've never even heard of Tauranga, New Zealand. I live, it does not matter. This breath has an ability to move and groove and flow into the most unsuspecting places in the world. And it brings life to whoever will receive it, whoever will open one's heart. It doesn't, you have to be a part of this or a part of that. We need to be a part of him. And so having this understanding, having been reminded of this moment, there's a way that we all need to live our lives as the body of Christ now. Now is our time to live this. And the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus gives us a wonderful, wonderful picture of how we need to live. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 with this understanding, with this revelation of who we are and that the veil has been broken. It has been torn down. We are, to, we are the house of God with this understanding. God wants to fill us with His breath. With this understanding, there's a way that we must live our lives. 
And Paul, talking to the church at Ephesus, he says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says here, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Don't be a fool. Hit the person next to you and say, don't be a fool. Say, be wise. It says here in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. They were evil in the time of Paul at Ephesus and they're evil today. And it's so important in this moment that as Americans, as New Zealanders, as people where our nations were founded upon biblical values and principles, it's so important that we do not allow the tragedy of political correctness to come into our hearts for fear of what one would do to us. We're not here to please men. We're here to please God. And the only way this country will be saved, the only way my nation will be saved, is if we stand upon the principles that founded us. For America, it was 1,500 scriptures of God's Word. 1,500 scriptures this nation was founded upon. Incredible. If you look back in history, this country was really out of the box. It was way out of box. It was by the providence, a miracle from heaven, this nation. And as Americans, I encourage you all, you need to love your country and be so proud of your nation and stand up for the values that made this nation so beautiful and so great. America the beautiful. What a, I'm honored to be here. I'm so honored to be here and have the privilege. I've been coming here since I was 16 years of age, and for some reason I cannot stay away from it. God has a plan. He always has a plan. So it says here, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It says in verse 17, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk. Everyone say, don't be drunk with wine. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. You say, I don't know what the will of God is, Pastor Don. I've been searching for so long, I can't seem to figure it out. <laughs> Well, the will of God is, is that you and I are filled with the Spirit and not drunk on other stuff. There are so many things in this world that are vying for pole position in the house of God. There are so many things in this world. This is the battle, I said. Remember, the battle for space. There's a battle for space in God's dwelling place. There are so many things that want pole position in our life, in this space. Some of us, for some of us, it's our cat. For some of us, it's our dog. For some of us, it's, it's, our, it's, it's, our, it's our baseball team. It's our football team. For some of us, our car. For some of us, our house. For some of us, it's our, it's, it's our job. For some of us, it's this. It's food. I need food. I need water. I got all this stuff. There's so much stuff. Television. There's the, there's the idol. There's the voice. There's, there's, there's Facebook and all these. We're going to catch up and see what Gertie's book George and, Ma and Mavis are doing. Oh, there's so much. I don't have There's so many things in this world to get drunk on. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is saying, I called you. You'll never be satisfied with the dog. You'll never be satisfied with the cat. You'll never be satisfied with the little chickens. You'll be never satisfied with the voice. You'll never be satisfied with nothing but me. Get drunk and fill with me. And then, and then the Christian, and in the Christian community, there's Jesus the brand and there's Jesus the person. Brand Jesus has all the bells and the whistles. It makes you feel good. Oh, it'll embrace you. For some of us, the brand will make us famous. For some of us, the brand will make you a rock star. For some of us, the, the brand will make a lot of money. But the brand is not the person. And you and I will never be satisfied unless, unless we have the person. We were made for and by the person. And satisfaction can only come through intimacy with the person. The battle for space in God's dwelling place is a battle for intimacy. Say intimacy. What and whoever we spend the most time with will fill the space called God's dwelling place. The battle for intimacy is a battle for time. Say time. 
Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligence takes time, time. The battle for intimacy is a battle for Time. Isaiah 55 verse 6 and 7 says this, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Seeking takes time. Time. Time? What do you mean time? I mean, I get up in the morning, I put the clothes on my kids, I feed my kids, I take my kids to school, I come back, I clean the house, pick up the kids, come back, feed the kids again, take them to the football, I come back, clean the house some more, go back, pick up the kids, come back, feed them again, and then by the time I get back, I've got to watch the news. I've got CNN, Fox News, ABC, CNBC, MNC, and then I've got my Facebook news, and all the other internet news, and then, oh my gosh, it's time for The Voice. I've got to watch The Voice. I've got to watch The Idol. And by the time I get there, suddenly, Oh my gosh, I just realized it. We need a bigger house. No, we need a bigger, we need a nicer car. So we need another job. So we get another job. And we wanna and we're running. Suddenly you feel a pain in your left leg. Left leg. Left leg. You feel a pain, left leg. Go to the doctor. The doctor gives you a pill. I take a pill and we're running. We're running. We're running. We're eating. We're living. We're doing this man. It's so good. I love it. This line. Run, 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 run. And get another pain. Another pain. Take another pill, and another pill, the doctor, and then suddenly it happens when you least expect it. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate the wonderful life of Frankie. Frank was such a good, nice, sweet husband. He was a good father. It's so sad he left us so early. So early. Time. How do we win the battle? How do we win the battle for time? Time. Time. The battle for time is won in humility. Humility. Say humility. The battle for humility is won in a broken and a contrite heart. King David wrote Psalm 51 after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. You see, it's, it's not about we don't have time. It's more like we don't have time not to spend in intimacy with our God. He means more to me. I need Him more than the water I drink and the food that I eat. I cannot go a day, a moment without acknowledging Him. I need His breath, a fresh and filling every day of Him. Time is created by humility. Humility is conceived in brokenness. Time is redeemed in intimacy. Intimacy is received by purity. Time is created by humility. Humility is conceived in brokenness. Time is redeemed. In intimacy, intimacy is received by purity. Psalms 24 verses 3 to 5 says this, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? 
or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. When we give time to seek God, to ascend to his hill, to know him personally, he receives this as a sacrifice. He redeems the time. He multiplies the time and rewards us with more of himself in our lives. He fills the space called God's dwelling place. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says this, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know, the people who know, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Say the people who know, who know, who know their God shall be strong and carry out exploits. The word know comes from the Hebrew word yada. Everyone say yada which means to know God intimately. What? Are you serious? Yes. You, you can know God intimately. Just stop and think about that, please. How much time do you invest, do we invest, oh, if only I could know that person. How much time we spend worshiping all these people on television, worshiping people in the pulpit? If only I get to this conference, I'm going to get the impartation from this person. And sometimes that works. Sometimes there is that legitimate impartation. But what I see as I travel, people are more in love with the brand, Jesus. And actually knowing Jesus himself. I was just talking to what you call millennial people, yeah? And I'm, I'm talking with them, and they say, they, they, they don't know how to seek God. They know how to go to church, but they don't know how to seek God for themselves. <laughs> God commands us to go to church. Together, to have fellowship, to be with a pastor who can equip us and build. But our, our role, the role is to help people find God for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's the life. That's the life. We can know Him intimately. Intimacy with God produces fruitfulness. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The overflow of God's fullness in our lives is fruitfulness on earth. It touches our marriages, our children, our business, our communities. We've got people in this world that are like, God, I want a baby. I want a baby. I want, I want, I want that. And I, I come to Natasha and say, honey, give me a baby. I want a baby now. I want, I seriously, I want a baby. Will you give me a baby? Honey, I'll go pay you. I'll do whatever it takes. Just give me a baby. I mean, I can... I can cry. I can give her money. I can do all. I can, I can, I can send her to a salon. I can give her a trip to, to Paris. I can take the Eiffel Tower and ask her to marry, which is what I literally did. <laughs> but there, there, there is no fruitfulness until there is intimacy. We have got to be intimate with our daddy. And the glorious beauty is this, my Bro, the most amazing thing, there's nothing that's stopping you from being intimate, except you and me, you know? 
It's us that stops it because maybe we don't believe or we don't know, but it's time. The Spirit of God is drawing us. He's calling us to be intimate again like we were made to be. 2,000 years ago, the world changed forever. The dwelling place of God was restored to its original place through the precious blood of Jesus. When the veil in the temple was torn in two, it signified the end to the wall of separation between God and man. Shortly after, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was released into His rightful space. The enemy has tried to hide this knowledge from the world, but God has always had a remnant to reveal this truth to the communities and nations around us. And today, I see, standing, sitting in front of me, I see a remnant of people in front of me, in Diamond Springs, I see a remnant of people who are ready to reveal this truth to their families, to their children. They are ready to reveal the legacy of what made this nation great. They are ready to stand up and fight for the truths of this word that freedom would come again to our hearts. Hallelujah. The enemies tried to hide this knowledge, but God has always had a remnant from the early church to the Reformation, from the Reformation to the foundation of the United States of America. Over 200 years, the gospel has gone throughout the world. As man run to God with a broken and contrite heart, he heard their cry and filled them with his spirit. Throughout the centuries, great outpourings of God's spirit have been seen to shake nations and make no mistake about it. God is ready to do it again and again and again, if we will make space for Him, if we will make time for Him, if we will humble ourselves with a broken and a contrite heart, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If America will make space for Him again, if America will make space for Him again, God will fill this nation. Genesis 15 and verse 1, God says to Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. Just think about that. Of all that God could have given to Abraham, of all he could have given him, an island in Fiji, a little home on Mars, he said, I give you myself. And today, He's coming to us in Diamond Springs to remind us that He's come to give Himself to you and me. He's asking us, will we make space? Will we make space for Him in our lives? I'll never forget the moment in my life when I truly began to make space for for the Lord. Up until the age of 16, my whole life revolved around sport. Rugby in the winter, cricket in summer, football, baseball. I had scouts from around the country. New Zealand coaches came to my school and said, this boy's got potential. So my life, my drive was to be a great sportsman, an athlete. But thank God for a praying mother. And like overnight at age 16, God takes that desire out of me and puts in a desire to know him. My mama said to me, son, it's one thing to to know know about God. It's one thing to see the things he does but it's another thing to actually know him personally. And so I went, put the cricket bat and ball in the closet, rugby ball in the closet, shut the door, and I just began to pace up and down. God, I've heard about you. I've seen the things you do, but I want to know you personally. Are you all you say you are? I'm not leaving this place until you've touched me. Or weeks go past, not a goosebump. But God's word says this. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so suddenly, it happened suddenly. When I least expected it, his presence came into my bedroom. I fell on my face and I began to weep and weep and weep like a baby. There was this electrical current begin surging through me as if I'd put my finger into a light socket. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And all I know, I just weeping. Why were you weeping? I was weeping because as, 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 as a human being touches a love, I've never experienced such love. This love breaks down walls and barriers inside of my heart. It breaks down fear. It breaks down insecurity. This love just consumes and overwhelms. Secondly, as, 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 as evil as we are, when we come in contact with this grace and 
mercy, we begin to understand what He did on the cross. And when we begin to understand what He did on the cross, true repentance kicks in. True repentance. And so as this repenting and this love and this whole thing, my, my, I don't know how long I was in this moment for, but I, all I can tell you is that the young man that stood up was different from the young man that went down. And from the age of 16, I'm telling you this right now, from the age of 16, from that age until right now, I'm over 40 years of age, from age 16 to over 40, I have given my life to tell the world about Jesus Christ. It does not matter how how hard it may be, it doesn't matter whether it's few or many, whether it's abundance or not, I'm going to wherever the Holy Ghost leads me to go. In my bedroom, alone with God, I was like a roaring lion. Just this boldness. But every time I would step out in the beginning to share this experience, I became a little kitty. <coughs> The skinniest, scrawniest little kitty cat you've ever experienced. In my bedroom alone, out here. Why? Well, as a young man, I couldn't speak. I stuttered so badly. Even today, I stutter at times. If I'm tired, I stutter. But back then, I could not speak. And so I was fearful. I was fearful if I came to you. And I just, I was fearful of what you would think of me. I was fearful of what you would think of me if I came to you. I just couldn't seem to get out. And how I overcame my problem, my giant, is the same way that all of us will overcome our giants. Because we all have stuff. It's the fallen nature of man to have stuff that wants to stop us from being who we really are. And how I overcame my issue is the same way that you will overcome whatever it is in your life. The more time I spent in His presence, the more time I spent in intimacy, the more He filled me with Himself. Until one day, His love in me for you became stronger than my fear of what you would think of me if I came to you and I just couldn't sing to get it out. There's a battle, and it's a battle for our time. Lucifer does not want you and me to make time to have intimacy with our Creator. And He'll distract us with so much other stuff because your power and my power is found in being connected to the power, the source, the source of life. Are you ready to make space? Precious America, 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 God help me. And crown. You know how many different countries have run to this country. America is a nation of nations. All over the world, Germans, English, French, Spanish, Italian, Kiwis. Why did they come to this country? Because it's the home of the brave, the land of the free. Where does it get that braveness from? Where does it get that freedom? <laughs> Those who know their God shall be bold and shall do exploits. In Diamond Springs, God wants to just do, there is, I see a move in this church, in this group of people. There is such a move God wants to have. But the key to the move is making time. Time in, in our own space. In our own space, make time. And the fruit that will come will astound all of us and give him all the glory and all the honor. Can, I, can we all stand today?
I want us to sing, there is none, no one like you. You are holy, you are holy. I just want us to just focus on the Lord today as he's poured his message into our hearts. Because we're going to create space. We're going to make space for him in our lives. There is no one like you. You are holy, holy. There is no one like you. You are holy, holy. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on. And there is no one like you you are holy holy and there is no one like you you are holy holy Father, there is no one like you. You are holy, holy. And there is no one like you. You are holy, holy. You open up your hearts to me. Let my spirit come inside. America the beautiful. I've heard your tears and I've seen your cries. America, America the beautiful. Will you open up your heart? Will you open up your mind? Will you make space for me and let me come inside? I will make you new again. I will breathe new life again. America will be beautiful again. Will you open up your hearts to me, my love? Will you open up your hearts to me? I'm here to fill you up with everything you need. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Will you make space for me? Will you make space? Will you make space for me? I'm here to fill you up again. Will you make space for me? Will you make space for me in the house I made. If you can envisage you like a house, our body is like a house. And in that house, there are many rooms, there are many nooks and crannies, there are many corners, there are just a, there's a lot, of sp- lot of places in that space. And what the Holy Spirit is asking today is maybe you've given Him the kitchen. You've given him the bathroom. You've given him all the rooms in the house. But there's one place. There's one area. For whatever reason, you just can't seem to give it over. Maybe there's forgiveness. Maybe someone hurt you so badly, you just can't seem to find a place for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit is here to heal you. He wants to take that space. Maybe you're here today. And it's just pain. You've been abused. This is stuff. But maybe you hear there's a sin. There's sin. You can't seem to, to let that sin go. And there's, maybe there's addictions. Maybe there, there's somewhere, there's a place which is not his space. And today he's saying to me, remember my love. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. I've trained you. I've taught you in my word that there's no place for being lukewarm. 
When we're lukewarm, we open the door for deception. When we're lukewarm, we open the door for the enemy to come in. And I have a moment, I, I, I have given you a season where grace is available, but there comes a moment in time where there must be a response. Not that I'm here to judge you, but the longer you leave the door open for the enemy to come in, he will take advantage of this. So close the door. Make space for me. Allow me to come inside into every corner of your heart. Give it away. Give it all up, whatever it is. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some about these places. God wants to fill all of us. And so in this moment, we're going to open up this altar we're going to open up this, this place as a place where we all just come and where we lay down. Whatever God's speaking to our hearts, we come and we're saying, I'm going to lay this down at the foot of the cross today. I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm boldly coming to give away this something that has consumed me. It's hurt me. It's kept me back. I'm going to lay it down at the foot of this cross right now. Right now. Right now, I'm not going to leave this place the same. If that's you today, come and just lay it down. Just come and lay it down. We'll pray with you. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you. But whatever he's saying to you, just come and lay it down, my love. Lay it down, my love. Give it all away to me. Give it all away to me, my love. I'm here to wash you clean. I'm here to make you whole again. I am here. My grace, like rain, is falling. My grace, like rain, is pouring down. To make you clean, to make you free again, to give you a hope and a life. Oh, my love, will you make space for me? Will you make space for me? Don't hold on to yesterday. Don't hold on to yesterday. Will you make space for me, my love? Will you make space for me? Will you make space for me, my love? Will you make space? For me, my love, I'm here for you.